everyone. Helping Parents Heal assists bereaved parents in very significant ways. It provides personal and specialized support, tips and tools for finding hope for those parents whose children have passed. It offers much needed peer support, which aids in the healing process, going a step beyond other groups because it supports the open discussion of spiritual experiences and evidence for the afterlife in a non-dogmatic way. Everyone is welcome, regardless of religious or non-religious background, allowing for open dialogues for those to wish, who wish to share their personal afterlife communications. I'm truly both delighted and honored to have been asked to introduce some of the enlightened presenters who are at this conference. These insights provide uplifting interviews comprising a special new series on grief and rebirth podcast that will illumine the wondrous healing work of helping parents heal. The organization's sole mission is to help other parents who have also lost their precious children, ensuring them that they need not walk alone through their profound grief. Thank you. Hey everyone. Our next interview in this series is with two remarkable women who exemplify the spirit of healing and moving forward from profound loss. Three tragic personal losses inspired Dr. Gloria Horsley, who is an internationally known grief expert, psychotherapist, and bereaved parent, and Dr. Heidi Horsley, who is a licensed psychologist social worker and bereaved sibling to become the founders of the Open to Hope Foundation, whose mission is to help people find hope after loss. Gloria and Heidi reach about 7 million people a year through their weekly podcast, their cable television show, and the eight books they have written together about loss. What a blessing they are. Hi, Gloria, Heidi. It's so Hi. great to welcome you to Grief and Rebirth Podcast. It's great to be on with you, Irene. Thank you. My, my honor and pleasure. So let's talk about your background because you obviously had a profound personal loss right. that started you on your path. It opened you to the Open to Hope Foundation and you have this amazing journey. So. Tell us. Well, years ago, uh, my son Scott was killed in an automobile accident. He was riding in a car with his cousin when the car hydroplaned and hit a bridge and blew up and they burned to death. And very tragic. It was, you know, the Lord prepares a way for you. I happened to be working on a burn unit at the time in Strong Memorial Hospital at the University of Rochester. I was a consultant to the surgical service. I was a clinical nurse specialist in psychiatry. And one of the things that came up with me was that this accident was so horrible for him. And I'll have to say that I was glad he didn't live through it because they, those boys would have been severely burned had they done that. Of so course. it's strange how God comes in some ways, but it rocks our, rocked our family tremendously. And I was a consultant to the surgical service. So I, had, I was an expert in grief and loss, Irene. So that you was actually had a real loss of your own, right? And then it happened to me right. personally and it rocked my world. And uh, I realized at that time that having a loss a sudden loss or even a you know 
knowing that they're going to die. You never believe it till they actually do. It really impacts you physically as well as mentally. Well, talk about that. In what way physically as well as mentally? In it, it increases your adrenaline flow. It, uh, it, it raises you, hypes you all up for the whole thing. You do shallow breathing. I mean, physically, it just uh, decimates you. So uh, I remember that happening. So I realized that it was that whole thing, and I didn't know a lot about. I knew everything about the grief and lost world, and I watched myself take the journey. It was like having a map. I knew I was going to have sign respirations because I'd worked with people who'd had that. I knew I was going to see, think I saw them. I was going to have yearning and searching. I was going to have all the symptoms, but I took the trip and I had all the symptoms. And as they happened, you said, here you are. Yeah, here, here I you am. are. Yeah, here I am having the experience. Well, I had three daughters and Heidi can talk about her experience. Heidi and I are mother daughter. Yes, yeah, so. And I want Heidi to talk about her experience and then tell us about how this journey took you to the Open to Hope okay. Foundation. Okay, so I was 20 when my brother died and I was the oldest of four. My brother was the middle in a sea of girls. I was 20, my sister was 19, Scott was 17, and my youngest sister was 14. I knew nothing about grief and loss. It wasn't even in my wheel well. I had no idea I would have this experience and was completely unprepared. My brother was at the prime of his life. He was an athlete. He varsityed in three sports. He was extremely healthy. My cousin was extremely healthy. And suddenly, after the crash, both boys were dead. So it completely turned my world upside down. It put everything I ever knew into question. And I wondered, who am I now without Scott in my life? And why am I here? It was a pretty big existential crisis at that point. How? Uh, and it must have turned your whole family, because with, oh, yes. with his cousin, your whole family must have been. Yes, it was really traumatic for for the whole our whole system. And they can't couldn't turn to you for your expertise because uh, you were grieving also. Right, I was grieving also, and although I kind of became overly confident, I would say, because I knew the the grief and loss world, and I think it was hard on me. I think for, for, for professional people who are watching this show. Grief and loss can be very difficult for, for professionals because they do become more confident. They step up in places that you shouldn't, you know, you well, just don't you're do it for yourself. You're, you're devastated also, and like everyone's yeah. kind of depending right. on Looking you, right? Looking for you to be, to be the strong one, and you kind of take that role. But fast forward, I uh, did not get involved in the world of grief and loss. I got involved in many other worlds. I became a Reiki master. I became a teacher of the work of Byron Katie, for those who know Katie. I know Byron I became Katie. a teacher for Carolyn Mace, if those who know Carolyn. Mm -hmm. I also uh, learned the Enneagram from Helen Palmer. And so I had these women in my life that supported me on the journey and learned a lot from them. And then I decided uh, to retire from work. And I got involved with the Compassionate Friends, which many people know. And they asked me to do a radio show when it was the very first of online radio. You were and, a pioneer. Yeah, we were pioneers thanks to Compassionate Friends. So I started online radio with Voice America. Well, uh, you know, my family, Heidi got on it. Everybody was interested. And Heidi said, well, tell them what you said, Heidi. I just said that the, the sibling voice was missing. Yeah. You were talking a lot about parents and parent loss, and, and, and it's, a very, it's very hard to lose your child. It's horrific. But it's also hard to lose your brother or sister. Mm -hmm. And I felt like that voice is so minimized and unacknowledged, and a lot of the focus is on parent grief. 
And so I felt like we weren't being heard. And, and so, now, wait a minute. So she yeah. said that to me, just the words she said to us now. And Mom, I said, I'm not being heard. Yeah. yeah. And I said, well, Heidi, if you want to be heard, I haven't lost a sibling. Come on and be my co-host. Yes. So fast forward, that's been 14 years. We have a million yeah, 15, people that... 15, a little over 15, 15 years. and be careful what you wish for, because I have been her co-host <laughs> over 15 years, and we often do not agree. <laughs> my mother sees herself as being very strong after my brother died, and while she was, I often felt like I had to be strong for her. Yeah, and she, because you were the oldest child yes. also. And I had to, a lot of times siblings will hide their grief from their parents, because they don't want to cause their parents any more pain. Yeah, they don't want them to suffer more. Exactly. But meanwhile, you're suffering. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's, a, it's an interesting dynamic how it impacts the family system. In fact, we even wrote a book about it, Teen Grief Relief. Yes, we did. Say it again. <laughs> Teen Grief Relief. Yeah. Yeah, but you can get it online, yeah. Amazon. I understand teenagers after loss. Mm -hmm. So now you're doing a presentation for Helping Parents Heal called um, Finding Hope After Loss, right? Uh, we have, for, we did not do a presentation for helping parents heal this year. We're doing video. You're doing videos for yeah. them. We're yeah, doing, we're doing videos on finding hope after loss, mm -hmm. and we've filmed I don't know 50 or 60 at this point. Yeah, and we. And filmed. how are people responding to that? Are they finding hope after loss? Are you finding getting positive? That people are finding hope after loss. I hope so. We named our foundation Open to Hope, and the reason we did that is because we want people to be open to the idea of hope. You know, hope's a hard thing, and it, it's a process, and finding hope after loss, it takes time, you know? And there are circumstances that make it hard for people to move on. Like I was talking to people, some people here at the conference who are involved in lawsuits, and you know, there, so that delays the grieving process. So it, it, grieving is so individual that, you know, it, it just depends on different people. I think that, and my mom would agree that conferences like this, helping parents heal, are absolutely crucial. Mm -hmm. Getting, being around other people that have had similar experiences and getting support and understanding and tips and tools, I think is really, really important. Yeah. And validation that your and child is still with you or your brother is still with you. I'm sure you've had validation yes. from Scott. Oh, we have indeed. Yes. We find dimes. We find dimes, dimes everywhere. Really? We have found dimes in. Uh, I took my grandkids to to Alaska. We went on a helicopter, and there was a dime on the in the helicopter. I play golf. I was on a golf. Uh, you know, taking my golf cart. There was a dime on the golf thing. We find them in cabs in New York City. Everywhere. Yeah, it's really interesting. And my husband died a couple of years ago, and my daughter was saying that she found two dimes. Mm -hmm you know, when she was putting her coffee one down. One for him and one for Scott. Yes. Yeah. And we find them sometimes when we're thinking about them or need them in yeah. our lives, then we'll see signs and see things and go, wait a minute. Okay, this is not a coincidence. So do you get other signs besides the dimes? I see butterflies. In fact, I have a butterfly tattoo. Uh -huh. <laughs> so I see that one often. <laughs> but I see butterflies. Um, well, she could tell you about an experience. Right after Scott died, she went on Outward Bound, which is a, a wilderness program. Mm -hmm. And tell that story. I love this story. Okay. So, uh, yeah, so we were, we were it, it's a very, it's an outdoor wilderness 23-day program where you live off in your, you know, with your backpack on your back. I'm not athletic, so it was very hard. What in the world did you, what motivated you to take that? My brother. He had done it the year before and loved it and was a star on it and kept telling me, Heidi, it's amazing, you need to do it. 
So I, he, he then he- In I your grief? Know, I didn't know he was gonna die. So he dies in April and three months later, I'm on this program. His him. same program. Scott told me it would be amazing. It was, it was very hard. Uh, so yeah, so I was on this program thinking about him and thinking about what, are, what am I gonna do in my life. And we were going up these very, very difficult mountains with very heavy backpacks. Did you have an athletic background? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh, no, I was not, I'm not athletic at all. And so, <laughs> and I don't camp. And so it was a lot. And I'm going up this extremely steep mountain and I'm like, I can't do this anymore. I'm, I'm, I can't do it. I'm done. And, and the, our whole group was just, you know, spent. We'd been all day, we'd been lost. It was very difficult. And I said, I need, I really, really need a sign. I need my brother. I need help. I'm, I can't do this. And um, I fell to the ground, I'm like, I can't do this. And I felt one of the people in our group taking their hands and putting it on my back and pushing me and everybody else up the mountain. Our group went effortlessly up the mountain. And afterwards I turned around and said, thank you. And there was no one behind me. Who's your brother? Yes. It what a wonderful story. Yeah. What a wonderful story. What a validation. I want to ask you, because you work so much with bereaved people, yes. mm -hmm. How do bereaved people find hope? Because they have all these challenging barriers mm -hmm. that they have to overcome to finding hope. So you want to talk about some of those barriers and how people can overcome them? Well, I think that we know from the literature and from looking at people and dealing with them, there are two things that people need. And one is information and the other is peer support. Those are two of the major things that can help you through this process. And that's what helping parents heal, the compassionate friends, you with your podcast, mm -hmm. exemplifiers have seen that they'll be able to get through that peer support of just having somebody around is, is so huge and not isolating. They're not alone. We, yeah, we worry about people that isolate. We, human contact is so important. And then information is important too. Like what types of information? I well, mean, you have like compassionate friends. I don't think they were spiritually oriented, right? No, no. Well, so I, it's it a different type of information with the group. Yeah. So what types of information that do people? Well, need? I think at Helping Parents Heal, they're giving information that your your child is with you. Their experiences with the mediums are, you know, finding the number one concern uh, of most parents I know is, are they okay? And were they in pain? You know, did they? And and sometimes when they receive that validation, just even some people only do one reading, and it is it's very enough. changing for them because they want to hear that experience. So they know they're not alone. But you still have to take the trip, even if you know you're not alone. There's still the bed's still empty when you go there. The um, the graduation still happens with the, their friends graduating or whatever. Christmas comes, the holidays come, you know, you still have to get through those. So peer support and having people there, telling people what you need. I think you need to be clear of telling people what you need so that they can help you. And I just want to say something quick about um, good support people. Not everybody is good grief support. Tell us about that. You need to find friends who can be good grief support. What is a good grief support friend? People who can hear you and listen and not feel like they have to take action. People can just be there for you. And you'll find new friends. You'll find new friends that you never even knew before. I mean, at Christmas time, we had people do a secret Santa for us mm -hmm. that we hardly even knew. And later on, we found out who they were. And they were just people who were good grief support. 
But I, I also, how do you talk about uh, friends that can be different kind of support? Yes, I was thinking that. So as a 20-year-old, most of my friends didn't understand grief and loss, especially the death of a sibling. None of my friends had ever lost a brother or sister. So I finally had to realize that all of our friends are not on this earth to be good grief support. Some of them are on this earth to be shallow with us. Some of, our, from, some of our friends are to have fun. Some of our friends are to be supportive and go deep with us with our grief. So our friends are there for different reasons. And once I accepted that, it was easier for me because I felt like everybody needed to be there with me in my grief. And sometimes people can't handle it, or they don't know what to do. And sometimes you lose people. I mean, they won't show up, even relatives or whatever. They can't take it. Yeah, they can't exactly. take it. They but, can't and then it. you'll have to decide later on if you want to forgive them. You know. <laughs> what I try to do is, I, in my experience, I kind of bless them and let them go. Uh -huh. I just, uh, you know... Well, Carolyn Mace says something that really helped me through this, and that is she talks about sacred contracts. And Carolyn says you don't have a sacred, your sacred contract might have been with this friend for 30 years, and the contract may be over. Yeah. So just deal with it. The contract's over. Sure, we come, in, we come in with different roles yeah. that we yeah. play in yeah. our lives, yeah. and they're yeah, not absolutely. always forever. And some beautiful people come in, and we've met some beautiful people here at Helping Parents Amazing. Heal, and through the grief journey, we've met yeah. wonderful, wonderful people that have become dear friends. That's how it works, isn't it? Mm -hmm. You know, one thing about the grief world I love is that nobody cares what anybody does for a living. Yeah. <laughs> or even where you went to college. They or, want to you talk know. to you about your brothers, your sisters, your children, your spouses, whoever yeah. you're here to pay tribute to. Yeah. And also how you're doing and yeah. getting through life and, you know, getting through the real stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, with real people, it's it's wonderful. They don't sweat the small stuff no, because they no only more. know from after that it changes you, and you're only concerned really. I'll deal with the bigger stuff, but the small stuff's not worth yeah, it anymore. Exactly, it exactly. Yeah, such a greater meaning. You are busy, ladies. You've written eight books. Uh huh. So I want to ask you about a few of them. Your sign, your book, Signs of Hope from Heaven, mm -hmm. Inspirational Stories from OpenToHope.com is a compilation of stories by those who experience a sign, dream, or other connection with a deceased loved one. What you got for us? You want to share a few of the stories? Did you have one for your friend? I have one that's my own story, which I didn't initially want to share. I know, not with you, but in the book. You know, I when I first... When it first happened to me, I was like, do I, do I want to share this? Will people think I'm, you know, making it up? Will they think my brain did something weird? And the more that I talked to people and the more that I heard other people's stories, the more it gave me permission to be able to share it, which I love. So I was um, in a head-on collision in 2004. And it was a, an accident very similar to the one that killed my brother. That must have been a really wonderful experience for you, right? Mm. My God. Yeah. Mm. So it Talk was about deja vu. Exactly. Yeah. What was interesting, yeah. Irene, is when the, when the car was coming <clears throat> towards me, I my first thought was my parents cannot lose another child. It's all I kept thinking about. But there was no place to go. There was no place to go. So it, this, this driver was coming, you know, 100 miles an hour, hit me head on, and I left the car in impact. It was, my car was totaled. I left the car. You're talking about your soul left My soul the left the car. My body didn't, but my soul did. And it went towards what I've heard a lot of other people describe as an amazing bright light. And I knew I was moving into what I now think is heaven. And I knew I was going to see my brother. 
and it was phenomenal and it was such a great feeling and I was so happy that I was going to be reunited with him because we were we were very close and he said to me before I saw him I heard his voice he said you have to go back and I was like I don't want to because I knew if I went back into the accident it was going to be horrendous and I was going to meet him and he said you you're, you're you have to go back you're not your time isn't ready yet it's not your time so I went back into the car and and into the pain into the pain body I had I had a miscarriage because of the accident I was pregnant um, there were ambulances and police and fire departments and jaws of life because my car was smoking getting me out and I was whisked into an ambulance and it was it was awful Terrific. I wanted to be in this other place but I realized at that point wow there is another place that's phenomenal. And you saw Scott there, yeah. Yeah, I felt his spirit and felt like we were about to see each other. So I thought, this is real, mm -hmm. you know? And since then, we've heard a lot of other stories which have been phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have one for us, Gloria? Oh, yeah, wow. Your premonition. Hmm? Your premonition. Oh, I, I have a, a forewarning. A, yeah, a, a premonition. A premonition. When I was six years old, my I had a doll in a baby carriage, and my closest cousin in the world had a doll in a baby carriage. When we went out in the woods, and we lost our dolls, it we lost the baby carriages in the woods. We didn't know where they were, and we were supposed to be home, and it was really panicky, and we knew our parents would be mad. But we found them, and we went home. Uh, fast forward 30 years, our two sons were killed together. Wow. So they lost their babies. Mm -hmm. They lost their Wow. Wow, wow, I'm giving me chills. I know that you know, Open to Hope and Grief and Rebirth, we have so much in common with our mission, mm -hmm. which is to help mm -hmm. people to heal yeah. right. and to evolve and, and to understand that they can move through grief. So how about we share some stories of hope after loss. Have you got a few to share? I've got a, I've got a right one off my own oh, good. that I'll Give share. That. You want to hear that one? Yeah. So my husband was a very cheeky guy. He was very, very funny and he, you know, had a great sense of humor, and I, I would often come down the stairs and he'd say, hey, cuz, you're looking great tonight, and I'd say, hey, you play your cards right, you know, all that. We had, <laughs> we had that kind of a relationship. So um, I, of course, grieved deeply, and I finally got up the courage to take a cruise on my own, and I met a guy there, and I thought, okay, let's, I'm going to find out if I can have a relationship and what I'm going to do. This man was from England and about four months after the cruise he came to America to spend some time with me. And as he walked into my house, he said, he called me Rini. Rini, I don't know what came over me, but I was in the customs area and I went to the cologne section and I bought a special cologne just to wear for you. I never heard of it before <laughs> and the name of it is Jupe. And that was my husband's cologne. And ah. I said to myself, you buster. <laughs> I mean, I was no man in my life. And you got him to buy your cologne to wear with me. So uh -huh. talk about, I mean, I've gotten many, go. many signs from Saul, but something like that was like a dead ringer. Uh, that was big from him. That is good. Well, my husband passed away, Heidi's uh, dad, a couple of years ago. And before he died, he told me I was going to be with someone. Mm -hmm. And I said, I'm not going to be with anybody. I'm not going to be with anybody, but uh, I, did, I am with somebody and I'm surprised. <laughs> It was right. 
<laughs> That's a wonderful story. Yeah. Yeah, and he'd be happy. Yeah. <laughs> take about take, it. take about it, talk about a validation. Yeah. And you also have a book about the holidays and oh, how yes. you deal with the holidays. So would you like to help people who are gonna go through I mean I would the holidays. love to talk to them about the holidays. How do they cope Number with that? Number one, I want to say to everybody, the I know for Christmas and Hanukkah and that kind of thing, it becomes like a month before because the merchants want us to celebrate a month before. Remember, it's only one day. It really is only one day. And oftentimes, the anxiety leading up to it is worse than the, uh, you know, the because day. Because they have to, they're buying gifts and they're no longer buying gifts for their loved one. And Yeah, absolutely. Well, one of the things you can do on the gift front if you want to is uh, you can buy some gifts for somebody that age and donate them. Gifts oh, that's that you a wonderful think your idea. child might like. You can buy that gift for them, that special gift, and, and give it to another child. And get people to help you. If you've got kids, um, ask friends to take them shopping you know, for the, for the holiday gifts. You know, take those little things that you did yourself and try to offload them, because people want to help you during the holidays. They really do. You're giving people a gift if you let them help you. And if you ask them for help, you're giving them a holiday gift. But Heidi, let's talk about some of the practicals, like giving a toast and that kind of thing. Yeah, I like that, giving a toast to the person that, that has died. And also toast because they're with you and they usually will hear that. Exactly. Make sure that not only you talk about them, but talk about your living family members also. Because I know as a, as a sibling, we often feel like everything is about our sibling that's no longer physically here. And so I always say to parents, you know, say, hey, this, this toast is for Scott. We really miss him. And for and you can say, Hannah, we know he's with us today. Yeah, and we know he's with us today physically. I mean, you know, spiritually. And for Heidi, Rebecca, and Heather who are still physically with us. And yeah, just just bring everybody on board. I think that's important. And it's tough if you've got other kids. I used to say uh, on shows before, I'd said, well, if you don't want to celebrate Christmas, don't. And then Heidi says. With, with any holiday, Hanukkah, Christmas, whatever holiday you're celebrating, the, the problem is with saying, I'm not going to do it anymore, is that the surviving children feel like, wait a minute, maybe we're not enough. Uh, you know, we don't get to do anything anymore. We don't get to have any holidays, any joy, because our sibling is no longer physically here. So sometimes you have to do it for the for the other family members. And if you children. yeah, and if you're putting things out for the person who's trans uh, transcended, um, make sure that you do as many pictures of the other kids as you do of the missing child. Uh, if you're going to do a shrine, I honestly suggest that you do it in a quieter place, not in the living room where where other family, you know, where their siblings have to be all the time, because it, it's distracting and hard for them. Because uh, kids don't grieve the same as adults; they grieve episodically. Well, talk sometimes about that, they Gloria. need a break. Yeah. Do they, they grieve through play also? Pardon? Do they grieve through play also? Yes, they grieve through. I mean, play. if they're young children, they grieve through yeah. play. Yeah, and also boys tend to like to be a little more grieved. They like to play basketball and then do something, or, you know, they tend to be active. It depends on all the kids. But given that, they do not grieve constantly as much as an adult can. They just don't do that. And they're probably yes, suffering because they're watching their adult yes. connection yeah. grieve. Yeah, children definitely need to take breaks. 
from their grief so that they don't become totally overwhelmed. So it's a good thing when you, you'll see them grieving or talking about someone that has died and then all of a sudden they'll go, I'm going to go play basketball. Mm-hmm. And you'll be like, wait, how did, why? I don't get this. How did that happen? That's a good thing. They're taking care of themselves so that they're not completely overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. That's great. As we start to wind up our interview, is there anything special you'd like to share with anyone? Any other wisdom you want to tell people how to get a hold of you, how to connect with the Open to Hope Foundation? I guess one of the things I want to say, and then we can talk about the other things, but sometimes we hold on to the pain longer than we need to because we think the pain represents the person. And what represents the person is the life that they live, the joy. So we feel guilty sometimes feeling better. And that's what I love about this conference because I think you know we're still connected to those that we've loved and lost. We have continuing bonds with them. And I think this conference reminds us that when we're living our best life, when we're living in joy and happiness, that's how my brother lived and that's my connection with him. That's wonderful. And that being said, for people who, I wanna say for people who are early in grief, you just have to hang on, uh, you know, hang on. One lady came up who's three months uh, from her loss, and I said, your shoes match. Mm-hmm. And she laughed and said, it's funny you should say that. Yesterday I looked down and I had a slipper on one foot and a shoe on the other, and I was heading out the door. Right? <laughs> <laughs> would, would you say there's a specific, a specific period of grief? Like people will talk about it's a five-year period or whatever. Oh my goodness. How I, do you address that? The first, I talk about the first uh, year you're frozen. The second year can be worse than the first for many people, and that is because you're getting better. And I like to tell people that it's their unfreezing, so they're able to touch some of those spots that they weren't able to touch before. So, and the second year's tough. The third year, I think you start to, you know, realize that this is going to be your life and, you know, dealing with it and then, and then moving through. But there are many things that can block grief and people need to get some help if they have some of I those I so believe things. in that. I mean, there's so many forms of therapy and healing that are out there yep, for it. there are. And if you've had trauma, uh, rapid eye desensitization can be very great where they, uh, we've learned that the brain can't process thinking about, say, if you had to give somebody mouth-to-mouth resuscitation or something like that, and it keeps coming up for you, the brain, if you think about these thoughts, the brain thinks that it's all happening. The brain just thinks it's still happening, happening, happening. So this rapid eye can help you with those trauma trauma very quickly. I mean, they help people in two or three sessions. Say that clearly so people can hear that. It's rapid? Rapid eye desensitization. Desensitization. Uh It's EMDR and it's bilateral stimulation. Yeah. And I worked with the fire department for 10 years after 9-11 on a longitudinal oh, study. Bless the people you. that had lost someone in the Trade Center. And what we found is that the, what ha- EMDR was very important, especially for the first responders, for the firefighters, for the police, because they were down at the ground zero for nine months in recovery, and that was very traumatic. Yeah. So EMDR for anyone that's had trauma. Yeah. And you can go online and find somebody who's trained in EMDR. That's wonderful yeah. for people to know. Yeah, it's, a, it's really a great treatment. So anyway, if, you've, you know, and, uh, if you're in court or things like that, as I said to you, it can delay those, uh, the grieving process because you're waiting. It never gets resolved. So anything that keeps you waiting without resolution you may need some help. It keeps you from getting closure. 
yeah, yeah. From, from all of that. And yeah. tell people how they can tune in to oh. all the things that you do. Yeah, you can find us at opentohope.com. And there you'll find our radio show, podcast. You'll find uh, we have over 5,000 articles online. Uh, we have a, a robust YouTube channel. And we are on Facebook and all the social media. And we also want to say to you, if you like to write, you might want to become a, one of our writers. We have uh, 400 people that write for us. We give you a free profile page. If you have a book, we'll put, a, put it on our book site. And it links to whatever we would link to your show or you know, whatever you want us to link to from the site. We're all about, um, it's everything's free, and we don't even take email addresses. We call ourselves in kind of an oasis of hope for people who come and go when they need us. We're You're there You're a blessing to millions of people. Yeah. You are literally a blessing to millions of people Thank for all you. that you do. Well, we do it as a tribute to Scott's life. And uh, we, I feel like he's my guiding light. He's our guiding light. He is very much a part of our life still, and the continuing bond just gets stronger over time. It doesn't lessen. <laughs> and, and what we always called our shows saying, if you've lost hope, please lean on ours until you find your Oh, that's beautiful. And God bless. That's a perfect way for us to conclude this interview. It's wonderful. Thank you so very much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you, Gloria. It's been lovely. Thank you. And to all of our listeners, to be continued, many blessings, and bye for now. <laughs>